0: All right, so we're talking about the move of God, how God moves in our time and our in history. And this morning, as we were singing and worshiping, I uh, actually was back there with my baby in the in the nursery trying to get him to sleep. And finally, he was fussy, and I came into this room, and I thought it was going to be too loud because we were jumping and dancing to uh, I Thank God. And all of a sudden, my, my little baby just fell asleep. I was like, whoa. I was like, okay. He's used to lots of noise at home, I guess, so... He just fell right asleep, and I was able to kind of finally enter into worship with, with everybody in here, and I just saw how the Lord was, was moving on each of us, and um, especially the youth up, up here jumping and singing to that song, because we, we play that song a lot in youth, and they're, they're jumping and dancing. The kids are here jumping and dancing, and it was contagious. I saw, I saw the parents. They were like, oh, that looks fun. That looks fun. Turn around. Okay. And so they were getting into it, because of the youth here were, we're leading in that, and so I thought that was, um, that was awesome, and that actually ties into something that I'm going to get to at the end. I'm really excited about the end of my message, and so I'm going to get there, but uh, there's lots of good stuff before that, before that, but you'll see at the end is going to be really uh, where, where we land. Did somebody say they're scared? Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm kind of scared, too. I mean, this is not a, a light topic, talking about the power of God in people right? The power of God moving through us. And don't you want to be a part of this? Like, don't you want to be a part of God's movements and what he does? And are you, are you listening to what he's doing here? Are you, are you uh, attuning yourself to what his spirit wants to do in this time? Are you paying attention to him? And so through this story of Elijah and Elisha, we see a difference here with Elijah and Elisha's ministry. And I want to point this out. Elijah, uh, we're, we're going to see the end of one move of God through Elijah, and then the beginning of a new move of God through Elisha, but it's the same God, but it's just working through different people, and it looks a little different. So, for example, let's look at that slide here with Elijah and Elisha's differences in their ministry. And so you've got Elijah's ministry, which is a is a power-packed ministry. And then we have Elisha, when we're going to get into it, we'll see more of a pastoral compassionate ministry. And so if you know these stories well, you know what that means. That Elijah calls down fire from heaven faces King Ahab, uh, Jezebel. He's really intense in this ministry, lots of fire. And actually, we're going to see this right here at the end of Elijah's ministry. More fire comes and more people get consumed by it. And so there's a lot of just power-packed ministry that Elijah operates in. And then when we get to the Elisha story, there's kind of a switch in the tone it's the same movement, it's the same, or it's the same God, just a different type of, of move of God. And it's more, he's more of a, a pastoral, compassionate ministry where he's, he's reaching out to people that no one else is reaching out to. And we see a lot of kind uh, of how um, Jesus walked through the streets and, and healed and, and operated. We see a lot of that through, through Elisha's pastoral ministry. And so as we think about this, and as we think about this transition of, of movements of God, I want us to be aware of what God is trying to say and do through us, his church, in today's time. All right? So let's jump into the scriptures. We are in Second Kings now, chapters 1 and 2, and so we're starting a new book in 2 Kings, but look how it starts out. Now, now 2 Kings is just a continuation of 1 Kings. It's actually not two books. It's originally one scroll, but we like to split it up for whatever reason, maybe the length of it, but it's split up. But 2 Kings 1.1 1, 1 starts out just by saying that Ahab is dead. After King Ahab's death, which we saw that, the land of Moab rebelled against Israel, all right? So that's how 2 that's how Kings starts. So just, it's just a continuation of the story. Now, when it says the land of Moab rebelled against Israel, we actually, we're going to pause there, and then we'll see next week in 2 Kings chapter 3, we'll see the continuation of what that rebellion looks like. So it's kind of a preview real quick of 2 Kings 3. But that's all that is. The land of, of Moab rebels. Okay. And then it jumps into uh, the story of, um, Elijah, where it says, one day, Israel's new king, this is uh, 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 2 now, and we're going to read this, where Elijah confronts this new king, King ah- ah- Ahaz- uh, Ahaziah. There we go. King Ahaziah. Now, King Ahaziah comes in after Ahab, and he's the son, and he does evil. Once again, kind of the theme here. The kings like to do evil. He does evil evil like his uh, father Ahab and his mother Jezebel. He also uh, seeks out for false gods, which we're going to see here in this story. So let's read this story and have a couple things to say about it. And then we're going to jump into chapter two, which is really exciting. All right, so Elijah confronts King Ahaziah. Verse two, one day Israel's new king Ahaziah fell through the latest work of an upper room at his palace in Samaria and was seriously injured. So he sent messengers to the temple of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether he would recover. But the angel of the Lord told Elijah, who was from Tishba, go and confront the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, is there no God in Israel? Why are you going to Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether the king will recover? Now, therefore, this is what the Lord says. You will never leave the bed you are lying on. You will surely die. So Elijah went to deliver the message. When the messengers returned to the king, he asked them, why have you returned so soon? They replied, a man came up to us. I can, I can imagine them kind of being out of breath here. A man came up to us and told us to go back to the king and give him his, this message. This is what the Lord says. Is there no God in Israel? Why are you sending men to Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether you will recover? Therefore, because you have done this, you will never leave the bed you are lying on. You will surely die. There's a pause, dramatic pause here. Imagine the king's face, like his eyes get really big. Uh, what sort of man was he? The king demanded. What did he look like? They replied, he was a hairy man, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. Elijah from Tishba, the king exclaimed. <laughs> you can imagine this, right? He's like, ah, oh! he knew who he was from the way he looked. And I mentioned this actually, verse 2 Kings one the first week that I preached on, on week one of this series, and what does that description remind you of later on in the New Testament? Which, yes, all right, we're all on the same page, good. John the Baptist, Yes. So Elijah from Tishba, the king exclaimed, then he sent an army captain with 50 soldiers to arrest him. They found him sitting on top of a hill. The captain said to him, man of God. Now listen to these. There's going to be two, actually three of these 50 people come. Listen to this first one. The captain said, man of God, the king has commanded you to come down with us. But Elijah replied to the captain, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. Sound familiar? And destroy you and your 50 men. Then fire fell from heaven and killed them all. So the king sent another captain with 50. The captain said to him, now listen to how he says it, man of God, the king demands that you come down at once. The first one was kind of a little bit less, you know, serious. And so these 50 men, the next wave probably thought we got to be, we got to be more serious because those first guys were like, well, the king commanded you. So we're gonna be like, the king demands you to come. Yeah, that'll work. And so Elijah replied, Well, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and destroy you and your 50 men. Then fire from heaven came and killed them all. Verse 13. Once more, the king sent a third captain with 50 men. But this time, the captain went up the hill and fell to his knees before Elijah. Finally, somebody understands God's presence He pleaded with him, O man of God, please spare my life and the lives of these, your 50 servants. See how the fire from heaven came down and destroyed the first two groups, but now please spare my life. Then fire from heaven came down. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Y'all are waiting for it. We like the fire. (laughs) Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him and don't be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went with him to the king. And Elijah said to the king, this is what the Lord says. And then he repeats him, that message. But this time it's Elijah sharing the message to to the king. Why did you send messengers to Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether you will recover? Is there no God in Israel to answer your questions? Therefore, because you have done this, you will never leave the bed you are lying on. You will surely die. So Ahaziah died just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Since Ahaziah did not have a son to secede him, the brother Joram became the next king. This took place in the second year of the reign of Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The rest of the events in Ahaziah's reign are recorded in the book of history of the king of Israel. That's how I imagine that verse at the end read, kind of the, the king of Israel. All right, so here in this story, we see uh, King Ahaziah, who is the king of Israel, and he is supposed to be looking to God, the God of Israel, to uh, ask him what's happening, what's going on. Hey, I'm hurt. Can you help me and heal me? But instead, he seeks false gods. Elijah sees this, and he confronts him. Now, there was one person in here that did seek. Uh, he understood. He, he, he knelt before Elijah in this, almost like this repentance uh, here of, of this captain here. But Ahaziah was supposed to seek counsel from the Lord. I mean, he's the, the king of Israel, of God's people. And once again, I mean, this is the pattern we see. The kings aren't doing that. They're not seeking God. They're seeking false gods. They're seeking false things. And I'm wondering how... Um, Often we do this because there's a lot happening around us. There's a lot happening going on. We, we get injured like the king here. We, we have things that happen. And I'm wondering how often we first seek the Lord, first seek the kingdom of God, or do we first seek whatever? Maybe, well, I don't, I don't seek false gods. Well, okay, but not God. <laughs> how often do we do that? There's a story uh, we read last month, The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom, and there's a scene in this story where um, she's in a, a prison cell all by herself. And she receives bad news in that prison cell. She was there for a couple months at this time when she received the bad news. And she got this letter and, and read the letter, and she began to become very upset at the news that she read. And she began to cry, cry and, and sob. And she's, she's been isolated for weeks at this point. And a, and a guard came in, or a medic or something, someone came in, and asked her, "Hey, I heard you you heard you're sobbing. What's going on in there?" It was kind of a, like a tone of and that wasn't very compassionate, but it's like, "What's going on in there?" And and Cory Timboon begins to explain why she said what happened the bad news. "Well, this is this and this." And then it says that 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 person oh, be be quiet and close the door and just left her. And she said that she was immediately just responded in prayer to God. It Was like this, like, God, why did I seek comfort from a human first rather than just seeking it from you. And she said, she she said that in prayer, just, God, uh, this person just, just did not seek to understand what was happening in my life. They just completely, I was isolated. They just left me and now I'm I'm in the cell, but God, you're here with me. I'm going to seek comfort and counsel from you first of all, God. And so I'm wondering in our own lives, how often we do this. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that godly counsel is bad, right? We we have people that we can talk to. I encourage us to all talk to people about what's happening in our life. But for some reason, when something happens, is it our immediate response to ask the Lord? Seek him first. Seek him in prayer. And so that's that story there. And uh, hopefully you got something out of that one. Uh, But we're going to continue on. So that was the last kind of hoorah, last mission of Elijah before this next chapter in 2 Kings 2, where he is going to be taken into heaven. So let's read this part. 2 Kings 2, 1 through 11. And this is the transition of power where we're gonna see um, Elijah transitioning his power to Elisha through the power of God. Let's read. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind... Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, "Uh, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. So they knew this was happening. They knew that Elijah was about to be taken up into heaven. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. So they went to Bethel. Then they're going to go to Jericho. Put those those cities there, lock those into your mind because we're going to go back to those. Bethel and Jericho. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives, you and yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. You guys hear the poetry and symmetry in these stories, where it's like this, the same things are happening and the same language is happening. You guys catching all that? That's awesome. I love it. Verse 7:50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. So Elijah saw that Elisha's not going away, right? He's with him the whole time. So this time he's not like, stay here. This time he sees him traveling all these ways with him, following him. And here's the moment of, of trans- we got the Jordan River too, right? I mean, if you're knowledgeable about the Bible, the Jordan River is a place, and I talked about this week one, where there's a lot that, that crosses over, right? A lot of people cross over the Jordan River in the stories. And it's a, and it's a, a symbol of this transition of going from one place to another place. So Elijah uh, asked, what, what, what is it that you want from me? And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share or a double portion of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. Verse 11, as they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared drawn by horses of fire it drove between the two men separating them and elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven bible trivia how was elijah how did elijah go to heaven a by a chariot b jumped high or c a whirlwind a whirlwind yes yes so many people think that he was caught i was talking to so many people about this story this week and they all thought that he was in the chariot. But no, he wasn't in the chariot, was he? So, oh, you guys are, oh, minds are blown right now. He was in the whirlwind. All right, that's just a little piece of information there. Because you do see a lot of pictures of him riding in the chariot. But it's like, it says he's caught up in the whirlwind. The chariot goes past them to separate them. And then he's caught up in the whirlwind to be taken up. All right, so before we move on, what's happening here? Well, uh, this is a scene here where Elijah now, is talking with Elisha and saying to him, all right, he said, what do you want from me? And Elijah, Elisha's response is such a bold request. I would like a double portion, a double share. Now, if you go read Deuteronomy 12, 15 through 17, it talks about this rights of the firstborn son, that the rights of the firstborn son is given, uh, uh, the firstborn son is given that, that portion, that double portion of the father's inheritance. And so he's asking basically, um, as a, as a, almost like a firstborn son to Elijah. Hey, I would like double portion. I would like to actually, and even more do, do greater things than you've done, Elijah. Now this is Elisha who's followed Elijah, seen the great things he's done through the power of God. Elisha bold request. I want to do more than that. Is that possible, Elijah? Yeah. Elijah's like, I love the way you think. Of course it's possible. Well, I mean, you're, you're coming up behind me, and I want you to do even greater things. I, won't, I don't want you to do less things. This is great leadership right here. I want you to do more than I could have ever done. I mean, that is a great leadership, right? I mean, would you want to lead somebody that's coming after you and be like, you know, I've done a lot of great things. <sighs> Can't live up to me, son. Like, what would that do to that child? The child's like, okay, fine. I'm going to do the opposite. What did you do, huh? Well, I'm going to do the opposite of that. And so, no, he's like, yeah, son, you're going to do double that I'm going to do. And, you know, if you've been around us long enough here at Maranatha slash Old Oakleaf Christian Fellowship, there's a lot of um, uh, Star Wars references, so I could not help myself here. (laughs) Right? I mean, Elijah, Elisha passing the mantle here. Yoda gets passed on, and he gets taken up into force heaven. I don't know. Where is he? (laughs) Do away with that one. I got another joke coming in a minute here. So, um, but before that, here's a, here's a really cool thing about this story, is that if you read the whole story of Elijah and Elisha, you see, you can go to the next slide because we're done with Star Wars. Um, <laughs> Elisha, was, Elisha was given a double portion of Elijah's power. In this story, Elijah, there's seven miracles recorded that we can go back and track and see. And then when we read Elisha's story, we we'll actually see there's 14 miracles recorded. What's seven times two? Hey, good. All right, we're going to, all right. So uh, yeah, double portion. So I was praying this week, God, like give me, give me just some understanding, some more understanding about this double portion, Lord. I was thinking about it a lot this week and then God's like, all right, I'll, I'll tell you what this is like and you can see this blessing in the next slide that God blessed me with. A double portion of coupons to Whataburger. A du- I mean, this is rare, right? I mean, usually you get one of these in the mail, I literally got two of the, and this is the only two coupons I got in the mail, and they were like, boom, double portion of a bacon double cheeseburger. I mean, I had to use that. (laughs) God is communicating to us. Bacon double. All right, now you can really take that one off because now I'm hungry. All right, so here we go. So in these stories of Elijah and Elisha, I cannot help but see the pictures of Jesus and his disciples you see this throughout the stories where Elijah Elisha, Elijah's leading, Elisha's following like a disciple. And look what Jesus says to his disciples about when he's gonna leave. In John 14, 12 through 13, he says this near the end of his life. He's about to go on the cross and Jesus tells his disciples, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the father. You can ask me for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Double portion of his spirit is resting on the believers today in the world. The spirit of Jesus resting on us to do the works and greater works. I mean, that almost sounds like, how do you do greater? Jesus, what are you talking about? I think there means probably the expansion of Uh, the global network, because Jesus focused on his ministry on one particular area, and he's like, hey, you're going to be doing great. You're going to be going places with this. You're going to be spreading this out to the world. Do you want to do that? Yeah, sign us up. Let's do it. Double portion. All right, next scene here. Elisha takes up the mantle, 2 Kings 2, 12 through 18. We see this conscious decision that Elisha makes. Here in verse uh, 12, to continue this story, where he just saw his leader, Elijah, taken up into heaven. And Elisha knew, like, he's not coming back. (laughs) Like, why would you want to come back after that? Like, it's sad. Elisha's like, I'm sad that you're gone, but good for you. Elisha saw it and cried out, my father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. I read this story this morning. I'm going to continue, but I want to pause here. I read this story this morning to my kids, Second Kings 2, and um, Zoe asked that question, well, why did he tear his clothes? I was like, well, he was upset. It's a type of mourning. He's sad that um, his, his good friend and leader, Elijah, just left. And Zoe said to me, well, didn't he know that he was going to leave? Like, he said he was going to leave. I was like, yeah, he did, but He's still sad, right? I'm like, I'm going to youth camp for a week, and my wife's like, oh, don't remind me I'm sad. <laughs> and so I'm like, aren't you going to be missing me next week? Yeah. And but she, but when I get when it gets there, then she really like I'm gone, right? And so I just thought about that, just a, a little, you know, little nugget there of, of um, we can't ever be prepared for like like grief, you know, like we can't just prepare for it. Like, whoa, one day something sad's going to happen, so I better prepare right now. It's like. And when it happens, like even if you know it's going to happen, you know, like even if you know something sad's going to happen, it's, it's not sad. I mean, it's sad, but then when it really gets there, it's like, you're, you know, you're tearing, it's, it feels like it's torn off of you. And so that's just something there that I just, I, I wanted to share that for, for anybody in here that's needing that one. So he tears his clothes and verse 13, Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. So Elijah, Elisha had to make a decision in that moment. Can you imagine that? He sees the cloak on the ground and he knows the cost of if he picks that up and starts to operate in the move of God. He saw what Elijah went through. Yeah, it was powerful and great things happened, but he also saw a lot of distress that Elijah went through. Remember uh, 1 Kings 19? Elijah was like, did this great powerful work of God uh, in chapter 18, fire from heaven, consumed the altar. 19, Jezebel's like, well, I'm gonna kill you. And, and Elijah was like, I'm scared now. And he goes and flees for his life and goes into the desert, right? He, he was facing a lot of turmoil. So Elisha is thinking about all that's happened. And he sees the cloak, and he's got to make that decision to pick it up. It doesn't just fall on him and, you know, like venom or something. <laughs> he's got to pick it up. You like that nerd moment? Um, he's got to pick up that cloak and actually wear it and put it on. And so he picks it up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided, and Elisha went across. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elisha's spirit rests upon Elisha. There's witnesses of this. And they went to meet with him and bowed to the ground before him. Sir, they said, just say the word and 50 of our strongest men, there's a lot of 50 people here, of our strongest men will search the wilderness for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has left him on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha said, don't send them. But they kept urging him until they shamed him into agreeing. And he finally said, all right, send them. So 50 men searched for three days for Elijah, but did not find him. Elisha was still at Jericho when they returned. Didn't I tell you not to go? He asked. And so I thought about this ripping off. We were talking about the move of God, like Elijah did great things. There's this transition part. There's a grief moment. Elisha tears off his old clothes because he's picking up something new. Look what Jesus says once again. Jesus also told his disciples, kind of the same way Elijah told Elisha that he was about to leave, Jesus did this with his disciples. I'm about to leave. I'm about to leave. And then when Jesus left, they're like, what happened? I told you I was about to leave. John 12, 23, 26 says, Jesus replied, now the time has come for the son of man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. And those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. So Elisha, ripping off the old, dying to himself to pick up this new move of God. Galatians 2 20 says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So you see this pattern of leadership throughout scriptures. I'm also reminded of, of Moses and Joshua and Deuteronomy 34 in, in Joshua chapter one. We see, a, we see kind of a transition of power there. And so uh, this is the moment that Elisha now is picking up this mantle and he's, and he's doing something with it. And I think that right there speaks to a lot of us in this room that there's things for us to do that we need to pick up and do. There's often times when I'm up here uh, speaking or like I had to prepare a message when we were doing the John series, and I had John chapter 2. And part of John chapter 2 was that Jesus had to go into the temple and cleanse the temple. And I felt such an intensity about that, that scene. I'm thinking, man, because I, I shared also about cl- the cleansing that needs to happen in, in church. That needs to happen in our lives. And it was kind of an intense message for me to share. And I remember driving here that day, thinking about that. And I was like, why am I the one sharing? Like, I feel like there needs to be somebody, like an older you know, person in the church that needs, like, needs to share this. What am, why am I sharing this? You know, I feel so young in this. And God's like, You're, it's your time to share it. It's your time to pick up the mantle and, and share this. Okay. Like oftentimes we don't feel ready for something like that to share, but I believe that you're more ready than you think you are, right? You just got to pick that mantle up and go. God's setting that up for you to pick it up and to go and to run with it. Uh, Beginning of June, uh, I've had the privilege of being hired on full-time staff here at Maranatha, and it's been exciting. And um, as I was entering into this, I've been doing the youth ministry now for ten years, and it's been amazing. And and as I was also doing uh, school, teaching at schools for ten years, and uh, thanks to Lori Intriago, I'm going to point she she knows what I'm talking about. She introduced me to somebody, and ran we ran with it for that, for ten years. Um, and so as I was stepping into more of this full time ministry and saying kind of goodbye to the the schools, um, I felt this kind of intense like, did I do enough? You know, the, those questions like, did I did I share enough of my, you know, b- the Bible t- with these kids at these schools? Did I, did, was that enough? Like, am I doing, you know, those kind of questions kind of come to you. And literally that week, and I think I've shared this before, but literally I got a, a, a letters in the mail. It was a six-page written, handwritten letter from a student from five years ago and with some gift cards in it, which me and my wife just used. It was a little date night. And uh, Officer Justin saw us there. And, um, and so we... Um, we, oh, I got that letter, and it was just like this confirmation, like, yeah, you did a lot. This student was like bringing up all these things, and all how thankful. He's like, man, I just want to thank you. I'm in college now, and I realized, like, you are a teacher, which is like, no one ever thanks you for that, and you're a youth pastor, which is like, no one ever thanks you for that, and you're like, but I want to just thank you. I was like, wow. So it was like really meaningful to see that, and it was this confirmation from the Lord, and so anyway, so so there's two big pictures here, I'm going to fly through this slide here, but there's two big pictures happening in this story. And there's this happening of of ascension into heaven, which we see Elijah was taken into heaven. And this is a picture of Jesus' ascension in Acts 1, 6 through 11, right? Where Jesus ascends into heaven. And then the passing of the mantle is like a picture of the spirit of Jesus descending on the people in Acts chapter two. So what a picture here that we have here in this story of, of Jesus going into heaven, wondering, well, what's, what's going to happen now? I mean, he is God. So like, how are we going to continue on with this mission? And Jesus is like, well, I'm going to give you my spirit and you're going to do greater works than I have done, right? This is a picture of Elijah. Well, now Elijah's gone. Elijah's thinking, what's going to happen now? Who's going to confront the kings? Who's going to give the words? Who's going to do, who's going to call fire from heaven? God's like, no, you're not actually going to do that. Who's going to do this? You are, Elisha. Oh. So you're probably having those same questions. Well, who's gonna do this? Who's gonna do that? Who's gonna do this? You are. And when you do pick up that mantle, sometimes you feel like, Why? Right? Like, can I put it back? No, like I mean yeah, I guess you could, but it's not worth it to put it back. Like, go with it. Keep going with it. All right. And so there's a picture there. All right, last thing. Here's where I'm really, really excited about. And then we're gonna pray. All right. Second Kings two, nineteen through twenty five last story. Here's the beginning of Elisha's ministry. One day, the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. We have a problem, my Lord. They told him, the town is located in pleasant surroundings, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. So this is Jericho. Once again, biblical mind, Jericho, a cursed city. We talked about this week one. It was a cursed city. But here's the leaders of the town of Jericho going to Elisha. They are seeking counsel from the man of God, right? A cursed city, not the, the hub of the people of God, but this is the cursed city of Jericho is seeking counsel from God first. Such a different, right? We have a problem. And Elisha said, bring me a new bowl with salt. I'm gonna, we're gonna purify the water. The spring was purified and the water has remained pure ever since, just as Elisha said. All right, cool. Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. Bethel. Here we go. What's Bethel? Our biblical minds know Bethel as the house of God, a place that the tabernacle was first built in the desert, in Bethel. And we see this house of God. So Elijah left Jericho, which is normally we think of as a cursed city, left there, it's restored, went to Bethel, the house of God. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, baldy, they chanted. Go away, baldy. Elisha turned around and looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. That's the story in the Bible right there. From there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel and finally returned to Samaria, which if you know these these places, he's, he's backtracking. He's going back to the places that Elijah did these things, Mount Carmel, and then it started in Samaria where he gave the word to King Ahab. So he's, backtr- he's retracing his steps backwards. But here's the contrast here, and this is what I want to get to, is we see this contrast between Jericho and Bethel. Jericho, a cursed city, but now the waters are restored. Bethel, a blessed city, a house of God, we now see that it's producing youths that mock God. This city that is the house of God is producing boys, producing young people that are now going and not seeking counsel from God, but actually mocking the move in the things of God. This should terrify us. However, it does bring us hope because here's a a slide here. There's two takeaways from this scene. We can be hopeful because God did restore even the most broken situations, which was Jericho, but there's also, number two, there's still work to do, especially in the house of God. And so here's a really, here's, I, I got to share this part. Restoring the bad water of Jericho. Well, this time around in the story, we don't see the walls of Jericho destroyed, but we see the wells of Jericho restored. You like that? So I had to share that one. That was good. Walls, of, it, it, They're not destroyed. They're being restored now. This curse city, That's hopeful. Wow, even the most broken places and broken situations can be restored? Wow. Go read Revelation 22, one through three, where the curse is taken away. It's hopeful, but it also brings me a little fear that, man, the house of God is it producing people that are mocking the move of God. So here we are about to go to youth camp and I have all the youth here. And so I want all the youth, even if you're not going to youth camp, I want you to come up here. Come on up. You guys sing and dance and do all this stuff in front of everybody. So come on up and stand here at this altar. And we're going to pray right now for these youth. We're going to pray that the Lord encounters them. We're going to pray that um, we as a church are faithful in producing uh, youth that love God, that follow God, that are aware of the movements of God, I'm praying that these youth have a double portion of the spirit. That they do even greater things than anybody before them. And so if you are looking at these youth and you are just feeling the need, Jackie, I see you come come on up and pray for, for them. If anyone would like to come and pray for the youth right now, I invite you to come and and, and um, come and pray with them. Just stand in front of them and I'll pray out loud. But if you would like to come and pray with these youth right now. Just come on up and, and uh, pray. And so parents, you've had encounters with the Lord that are real and that the move of God in your life is real. It might look different in these youth's life where God, God wants to do something new and it might look a little different than what you, how you've experienced God, but that's Okay. To, it's the same God moving in, in different people in a different time. And so I want, to pray, I want you to pray for them that they would just encounter the Lord and however the Lord wants to encounter them, whatever he wants to share and say to them. And youth, I just want you to receive it. And especially if you're going to youth camp, thinking about this week of youth camp, how the Lord's going to encounter you there. And so I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you for these youth. Thank you, God, for these parents. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for moving in their lives, Jesus. Thank you for restoration of all things. Thank you for who you are, Lord, You're a Father. Thank you, Lord, that you love them and care for them. That you show compassion on them. Thank you, Lord, for giving them strength and peace. Lord, I pray right now for peace in their lives, Lord that they would not feel anxious about anything, but in everything they would give thanks to you, God, and that they would receive the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding, that they would receive your love, Lord, if they're feeling isolated and lonely for whatever reason, Lord. I just pray that you would would encounter them, Lord, that they would seek your face first in their life. They would feel your love and embrace, Lord, as a good father, as a good friend, Lord, as the uh, I pray for the, the counselor, the Holy Spirit would, would, would dwell on them, would, would speak to them, would teach them, would show them, would lead them into all truth. That your Holy Spirit would lead them into all truth and that they would, be, uh, they would, they would, they would accept your truth, Lord, in their life. Youth, I want you to pray if your parents are praying for you. Youth, I want you to pray right now for your parents in front of you.
1: by the one he came to save to all. ground.
0: prayer for anything we have a prayer team that would love to pray for you and we have in the back over there if you'd like that or or you can come up here and pray um i just want to say one last thing i feel like there that there's there's a lot of people in this room that um i want to pray for that that you would pick up this this mantle and go with the things that there's things that god's calling you to do that um, don't be afraid of it just pick it up and and let's let's do it and um There's things to be done here at the house of the Lord, (laughs) the house of God. And so I want to pray, and then we can um, be dismissed. But if you would just go ahead and stand as as we pray for this. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given us your word full of hope. Shows us that you're restoring all things. Thank you, Lord, for the restoration of all things. Thank you, Lord, for those little glimmers of hope that we do get to see here on this earth, that you restore people's lives and restore broken situations, and we rejoice over those things. But Lord, we're humbled at the fact that there's still work to be done. We know that you're more powerful than any evil out there. And so we're putting on that mantle of your power, of your strength to walk and to move in the things of God that you're calling us to do. And so I pray that... uh, that each individual will receive that double portion this morning to move and to act and to do the things that you've done, Jesus, and that you do, Jesus, that we would speak your words to other people's lives and into hopeless situations and bring hope. So bless us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.